0: Welcome to episode 8 of Lil Muck, a tiny slice of the muck podcast where we talk to people in the media and politics about their favorite stories or experiences. I'm Tina Hadamio And I'm Hilary Dougherty. Hilary, tell us about today's guest. Okay, I'm going to read like a very
1: prepared bio, bio but first I want to say that this person, we wouldn't be sitting here, Tina, in, there would be no muck without this person because we, I wouldn't know true. you you wouldn't know me correct she correct. pushed us in this direction of like you guys oh should be gosh. doing something like this but um okay. Well, okay
0: but we wouldn't have met in general no that's what I'm saying anything no, yes, I would not yes. know you
1: I would not know you if this person did not exist it's, it's absolutely true she's like our our birth mother oh kind my of God. Yes. <laughs> our friendship mother <laughs> <laughs> that's gross and fun it's all at the same time <laughs> um okay so Emma Collum is an attorney activist co-founder of ...of the National Women's March on Washington... ...and founder and former president of Women's March Florida. She currently serves on the executive board for Ruthless Florida... ...and is the chair of the Broward Chapter of Ruthless. Emma began her legal career as an advocate for tenants' rights... ...domestic violence survivors, union workers, and environmental protections. She gained gained valuable policy experience as a legislative aide... ...for the first openly LGBTQ member of the New York State Legislature... ...where she worked on marriage equality and anti-fracking legislation... She is an all around badass oh and my God. just an amazing person to know personally. She yes. fights for everybody. And uh, the best cheerleader that oh my anyone
0: God. could ever hope I mean to have it on goes, their side But
1: it goes beyond cheerleading. It's like, we'll fight for yes. you until the end. And yes. someone you can always count on uh, and to hear, to listen to you. I mean, like, just a wonderful person. So, Emma, thank you so much for being here today.
2: Oh, my goodness. I. I'm sorry. I'm crying. Thank you so much. That was that was the sweetest thing. Thank you. I'm so, so happy to be here. Of course. So we wanted you to
1: have you here uh, because this is like one of the shortest like recording to publish episodes we've ever done with the little muck. But uh, there was a very important primary election yesterday here in the state of Florida. And we wanted to have someone on who has been almost entirely involved in the process from the beginning of a candidate's race into the end. And you were involved in some pretty important races down here. So you're really involved and active in the political community in South Florida. Um, throughout this primary election season alone, you supported several candidates. Why is this so important to you?
2: Right. So this has been an amazing experience. First, not only because it was primary season in Florida, and any election season in Florida is always, it's always ripe for chaos, adventure, uh, tragedy, and triumph, Um, but more so because this was our first election during COVID, Mm. which gave us a whole new set of challenges, be it GOTV in general, or be it just engaging with voters. Uh, So this was, you know, and in some ways, right, I kind of saw this a little bit as a practice run for the big November election in terms of logistics for for folks for voting, right? Uh, so this was a really really exciting exciting election in general, but also for for me particularly, I thrive off of getting women election, uh, elected. It's this fun little hobby that I have, and we had up for election in Broward County, ranging from board which is a constitutional seat up to state senate and state representative nine different women that i was working with in some capacity uh some of it was consulting and some of it was uh engaging with through ruthless list who were running for office and last night of that those nine women eight of them achieved victory in their seats amazing so- that I
0: means so incredible
2: Right, right. That's yes, a lot I mean, of really qualified, incredible women yes. who are now going to be holding office. So I, I mean, and you two were so big in so many of those races. So mm-hmm. honestly, takes a village, man. Like it takes a village, but we got them through, and it's it's really exciting.
0: It, it was it was such an exciting night. And Hillary says it all the time. It's it's like the Oscars night for for uh, people who love uh, politics. And it's just it, you know pins and needles. It's so so incredibly exciting. Um, but I wanted Absolutely. to ask, um, people, this election, actually, more people came out. I was surprised. I mean, it was a very dismal number still for me. Uh, but yeah. people did come out uh, more than they did in that midterm election, the last midterm. And people tend to come out for the big election years, but they fail to show up for these primaries or midterm elections. And all elections matter. So can you explain a little bit how uh, local elections actually impact communities because a lot of times people just kind of go for that big presidential and they fail to realize how important a local election can be.
2: Absolutely. Um so you're we actually had about 27.8% turnout which I remember having a discussion Hillary, you and I, uh, about a year ago, when we had the mayor of Fort Lauderdale election, and in that one, only 13% of the registered (laughs) voters came out, which, you know, I I know it sounds crazy that we're celebrating the 27%. It's still radically low. You know, Mm -hmm. when you think of the people and the folks that have to fight to, especially down here in Florida, achieve their right to vote, it's scary, those of us who have this ability, that we just give it up, so... Just leaving that out there. But anyway, (laughs) you know, one, I think a really great example and someone who's really near and dear to our hearts about the importance of local elections is Sarah Leonardi. And Sarah Leonardi achieved an incredible victory last night. And she was running for school board district three in Broward County. And I know that a issue that we struggled to get across to the voters in her race was why you should care who's on your school board. And what folks don't realize here in Florida is your property taxes are directly equated to what the school board is able to do with their schools and the property and in terms of the, in terms of the resources that they're able to give back to your community. And so let's say that you are an individual who doesn't have kids in the school system or even is just doesn't have kids, period the your property values are directly tied to the quality of your schools, which are directly tied to whether or not you're supporting your school board and whether your school board is correctly achieving accountability and transparency in how they're running the school system. And Broward County is the third biggest in the nation. Yes. Right. So this is and in Broward, the the education system is the number one employer in Broward County. So this is huge. This yeah. is a huge seat with a lot of responsibility, and it's something that actually impacts all of our lives. And it's something, you know, two years ago when we, we as a community voted on I believe, this incredibly large bond project yes. that we expected to see have overseen, that was the school board who was managing it, um, and managing it not necessarily effectively. So this election, was so so very very important and yet it was very hard to get people to even turn over the ballot page because on the actual uh voting ballot sarah's race was one of the very very last on the back page and, mm. and it's wild right to those of us who followed it closely that it would be that difficult to just turn over the ballot <laughs> and vote but yet that's we see the drop off we see the drop off of people not moving for, beyond the first names and it's even more with it's even more difficult when we don't have a presidential candidate or a gubernatorial candidate right. on the top.
1: Well, and my problem with 13% or 27% is that we're putting people into office with this very tiny percentage yes, of people it's a in few the people deciding, voting for who that person yes. is going to be. That's not right. That's and, and the people who didn't vote are usually the ones who are working three or four jobs, don't have time to go, and will... In a in a way, in society, be impacted by these seats more than anyone else, and and that's such a good point,
2: absolutely. And
1: and the other part of it too is like, I don't know what it is. I know that maybe I have this weird political nerd gene that that's in me that makes me like super interested in it. It makes my Super Bowl be a primary or an election night, but. I know it can't be that cool or sexy, but how do we do that? Like, how do we make it so people understand that this is... And get excited about it. Yeah, and every one of these elections directly impacts your life. What are we supposed to do? Get J-Lo out there dancing
0: around the (laughs) polls. Like, I don't know what to do anymore, Emma. Oh, my God. I I mean,
2: well, listen, J-Lo, we we would have a problem with that anyway because that was such a big... Oh, scandalous right. moments <laughs> right. in our recent Super Bowl history. So we can't have nice things, till we yeah, know know. this. <laughs> you know, I, I think the thing that I, I have found that's been really effective and I think that women candidates have the ability to do this so perfectly. I think in general, storytelling is how we mm. get policy across to, to folks, even possibly uninterested folks, right? And I, you know, I'll go to Jasmine Rogers Shaw, who was running this incredible campaign um, for HD one hundred and five. The right now, her her election is actually being looked at because the voting numbers are so close yeah. that it may trigger a recount. So we're sort of holding off on calling any results on that. But one of the stories that she she spoke to folks about was in her in in that particular district of one hundred and five. There was a Huge influx of individuals with COVID. And Mm. her sister happened to be an um, EMT. And her sister ended up catching COVID while performing this really incredible service to her community. And the very scary information there was when she was going to be laid off, you know, when she was going to have to take time off from work, how was she still going to manage to provide for herself? Because Mm. here in Florida, what What became readily apparent by COVID very, very quickly were the glaring gas, uh, caverns, holes, um, you know, comet holes, it may be, where our unemployment system left us. And this is something that's directly related and can directly be understood that fear by anybody hearing this terrible story or just the image of those very people, those first responders who have been protecting us being going without, right, possibly not being able to be pay rent, not buy groceries for their families because they got sick. And that's such a visceral, visual reaction that people have to that story. And it really it really woke people up. And I find that so many of the women who are running were really able to illustrate that for folks that otherwise wouldn't understand the reason it's so important to know who you're directing, who you're electing to the House of Representatives in Florida, for example, is that that your representative could have voted to call a special session mm, that was right. going to specifically look at unemployment and unemployment provisions and why they're declaring inequity the equity fair. And if you're somebody who happens to be in, I don't know, District 93, and <sighs> you have a Republican representative, mm. that Republican representative did voted against having a special session. Right. He essentially said, no, I don't, I don't need no, do my, my job, as laid out in the Florida Constitution, to call for a special session to ensure that folks in my district are receiving unemployment and that we can get this handled. And I don't know what's more important than that right now. And if I get a vote and a voice in deciding who's going to be able to make that decision and or I find out that my representative is not willing to make that decision in my interest, I don't know, I sure as hell want to go out there and vote. Right. So, well, it, you know, the other thing about District 93
1: is the gall and the audacity uh. <laughs> to <laughs> then months later put an op ed in the Sun Sentinel that we all need to come together and cross party lines to 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 fix unemployment. How dare you? Yeah, when you did you nothing, had, to, you had the chance. It's exactly you had the chance. And it's exactly your job. And you yeah. had the opportunity to do that and you did nothing. I haven't seen this person I don't know no. what they've been doing. You never so hear I anything. So I can't wait until to, to vote him out in November, oh. God willing. But, uh, oh, that would be a joy. <laughs> that would be the best. But, uh, you know, speaking of storytelling, we think about, uh, yes, the amazing wins, uh, for women in Broward, but also to see these top five seats that are, I, I'm not sure what's happening with Supervisor of Elections yet, but to see the sweep of, um, Black and brown candidates, yes, or black in, candidates, take these seats. That was a remarkable turn to see Broward County start to look like the people who they're re- representing in the community. You know, yeah. like this isn't really important change. What do, What was your reaction to that?
2: Oh my goodness! Uh, seeing you know, seeing folks like Harold Pryor yes. step <laughs> in and take that victory last night. Uh, that's nothing short of. It, it was really, you know, and it was a privilege to watch that team. I know we you know a couple of folks who were on there, mm-hmm. and and they just did such a phenomenal job. But you know, you can't help but think and have a very deep reaction. I, I know we've all watched in horror over the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And Harold is a uh, for those of you who aren't aware aware of who Harold Pryor is. Harold Pryor is in his early 30s and is a young black man with a young family and his stories his story of of seeing cousins family members he himself be impacted by the criminal justice as a black man with a black family and coming through from so different avenues as somebody who has been a survivor of of experiencing what police brutality can do in terms of tearing apart a family as somebody who has been an advocate in the criminal justice system and now with somebody coming out of the side as the head of of the state attorney's office i I mean that's a remarkable story and seeing that in the in the light of you know recent media attention because of george floyd although we know that this has been happening forever we're catching more you know more police brutality and injustices in the legal system because of iphones thank goodness and it's (laughs) You know, there's really, there's, there's bittersweet justice and some kind of, you know, you feel like there's some kind of moral reckoning to have someone like Harold step into this role. You know, that's, that's really exciting, especially down here in South Florida, because Mm -hmm. I'll just remind people we're still in the South, right? And there's some real vestiges of the South left down here. And for sure. you know, to see Harold in that position, I'm I'm so excited for him and what he's going to be able to achieve.
1: Also, like yeah, it's to step into it's the incredible. seat of um Mike Satz, who's been there since 1976, yeah. and 44 it's years. Year, 40 right? Years. <laughs> it's an incredible turn of of 44 Young, years progressive and change. And to see this this is yeah. the person who's going to take that seat is it is well listen, I sh- voters. Uh, rarely shock me, and I am shocked. I was I was so- shocked and surprised that Broward County would come through like this in a way that is so remarkable, and it just. It really is. Uh, it's something to to admire. Like this is. I'm I'm excited for Harold and and everyone who's who's been elected. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. what I am disappointed with, and I'm I'm anxious to hear what you have to say about this. And I don't know if you'll say anything or not. But is about the news that came this morning that Ruby Green was let go of her job. She was running for public defender as yeah. working currently in the public defender's office. She was running against Tom Lynch and Gordon Weeks, and Gordon Weeks is the person who won the seat, uh, congratulations. Uh, and uh, she got an email this morning from Howard Finkelstein. Yeah. And, is, he's, and he's CC'd on it. He, and Gordon Weeks is CC'd, CC'd on the email. That Ruby Green um, has lost her job and she was fired. And so I was wondering, what what do you think about this this news?
2: Ruby Green's phenomenal. For those of you who were lucky enough to meet Ruby during this race, Ruby is The hardest working woman I've ever seen in my life. She's been over a year
0: and a half. uh, She's been out there
2: working. My goodness, right? Forever with with her family. um, With this, you know, speak of storytelling. I, I mean, this this girl is electric. She's absolutely wonderful. The passion is there. She was second in the race for public defender, and one of the one of the things that Ruby was highlighting during her race, which I think was a really important conversation, was certain inequities that she saw as a result of being an attorney, a current working attorney with the public defender's office. In fact, I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe she was the manager of all the county court attorneys in that, in that office. I think that's right. She was the head of a certain, a certain division. Right, right. So she's, you know, this is, this is somebody who had managerial supervising experience, you know, clearly saw an issue in in the culture surrounding and the practices surrounding the public defender's office and did what we should hope people would do, ran to try to affect change. Right. And what's upsetting here is that yes, Florida is an at will state, which means that you can be fired for any given reason at any given time. What a you know, what a hoot. In the statement that Howard Finkelstein, the current public defender, put out about why he fired Ruby, which this is a real laugh because this is the gentleman who some of you may know as Help Me Howard. Help Me Howard, yes. To, <laughs> right, exactly. So in the statement he put out, he said the reason that Miss Green was fired was not because she ran, but because that when she ran, she spoke out about the office. And she spoke disparagingly about practices that she was concerned with at the office. Mm-hmm. So that is why she was let go. And there's really I great. Right, I, I think an opportunity here and, and I've called for it as well as many people and many organizations that we all are you know near and dear to our hearts, including the Dolphin Democrats, have called for this as an opportunity for Gordon Weeps to see the absolute hypocrisy in saying we're firing a current public defender because she spoke about the bad practices that are happening as a public defender. Well, there's no bad practices here in the public defender's office, right? This it, it, is a real opportunity for incoming public defender elect Gordon Weeks to say, "I am not my predecessor. I want full transparency, and I want to keep Miss Green and apologize because the very appearance of this improprietary, sort of you know, not sort of retaliatory firing mm. is is really alarming and really disgusting, and really goes to the heart." Of the lack of transparency that Ruby was trying to address in her campaign, and and I really hope I hope, ba- steps yeah. in. I hope he does the
0: I hope he does the right thing here. And and right. I I said that to Hillary today. I said I hope that you know he can turn it around and and make it right. But
1: well, I'll tell you this much. First of all, she's going
0: to be so disappointing if he doesn't. He has a great Absolutely. opportunity to really make a statement.
1: Yeah. And and here's the thing if you talk to Ruby I mean first of all Ugh. public defenders are overworked and underpaid and that woman is a single mother trying to keep a roof over her head trying to keep she's just like everybody else just cuz she's an attorney that doesn't mean she has money public defenders are not paid very well and don't let's talk about student loans i mean come on yes. mm-hmm. but i'm not saying mm-hmm. that she i'm just saying yeah. like in general yeah. like this is not this is not she's not making the big bucks but her love and passion for that job oh. and being a part of that system to protect people is i i i can't even I can't even put into words how much passion she had for that job and so it's very disappointing but I will say this much about letting somebody go like that she pulled out a a second place win in my opinion that cannot be ignored and the smart thing would have been to hang on to her yes put her in the second put her in the second position she's beloved by the community she is a uh, uh, uh even somebody who people would recognize as being a public yes. defender, you can use her passion and her heart and to benefit the office. And 100%. they were so short-sighted in their um, anger, anger, and like, uh, what? What am I thinking? Well, it's of? the retaliation, like Emma said. Yeah, but it, there's something else to it. It's like this lack of confidence. I don't know. There's just something so weird there that that you have to turn around and treat people this way. Not to mention a woman of color. Like this is how you're dismissing right. somebody who works for your yeah, office. It, it's it's incredible.
0: It really. And well, her it's story a to talk about the nightmare. Yeah, well, and to talk yes. about the storytelling yeah. and talk about you know she she her story is so incredible and it's moving. And you know, you said it earlier there no one worked harder uh, yeah. than Ruby green. I mean, she, we saw her so long ago. I remember when she first came mm-hmm. to, we had a meeting on something and she came and, and she was like, you know, it's early yet, but I'm, I'm ready. And she, she shows up at every event. Yeah. She's everywhere all the time. and, I, I was shocked when I saw that. And I'm still hoping, fingers crossed, that Weeks does the right thing.
1: Yeah, you hope so. And especially because.
0: And I hope there's pressure that, that makes him do it.
1: It's just, it's certainly not the end for Ruby. She's got a, a whole career ahead of her. You can tell. There's just the community's like rallying behind her. Yeah. It's in the paper now. So hopefully we'll get some right. get some good attention for this, about this.
2: Well, you know, it, it's interesting because I was speaking to my husband about this this morning because, as you two both know, I I ran for office a few years ago, and I, I ultimately wasn't successful. But you know what? Hell of an experience, hell of an adventure, <laughs> and you know. But part of it, my my husband asked me today. He said, you know, we were talking about Ruby, and he said, you know, I remember the big problem for me when I ran was I ended up having to give up my job to run because it right. just it, it gets that crazy and that time consuming and depending on your job, sometimes they aren't that interested in you running for elected office. So when I didn't win, a big struggle was I needed to find a job. You know, it, yeah. it, it wasn't something that, it isn't always easy for folks, especially women, especially and including Black women, to come up with, you know, the, the money that it takes to provide for yourself and your family and to also run for office, which is more than a full-time job. Um, and that really heightens and highlights the fact that this is a really classist sport right Mm -hmm. politics tends to attract and include folks who already have the money to play right and And the time to give mm -hmm, and if so if you're someone like ruby who's a public defender that isn't making any huge amount of money if you're a teacher if you are a you know if you're somebody who is an administrative officer or a school bus driver or somebody who's you know a a road maintenance worker who's seeing our infrastructure problems firsthand, it's going to be really difficult for you to run because of the sheer amount of money and time that it costs. So seeing something like this happen to Ruby and knowing that what the public defender has just said is, if you're going to put yourself out there, if you're going to try to better Mm. an office by running to lend your voice, you better win or else we're going to fire you. Mm. This is a real, this is an opportunity that tells folks you're not safe to speak out, right. uh, and that's really scary. And I and I hope what this doesn't teach people is to not raise their voice, is to not object, is to not stand up when you when you see a real problem. You know, and and this this is a real this is a real chance for Gordon Weeks to step up, and I certainly hope he does.
0: I agree oh, with goodness. that. So, how about outside of Florida? Are there any elections or things that you're watching closely in other states that you think are important that maybe our listeners across the country? Uh, should be keeping an eye on
2: sure so i think that what we saw happen in the new york primary um uh, with uh bauman excuse me who was a young teacher who unseated a longtime uh democratic uh senator i believe uh am i correct yeah it was a senator right i, I think those kind of races and cory bush which happened um out in the midwest yes i think those races are really telling us something one that a lot of people forget Corey Bush, this was actually her third time running. She was one of the women who was in that wave of uh, of yeah, political insurgents, for lack of a better word, and by that I mean <laughs> normal people who ran for office um, after the Donald Trump regime started in 2016. She was one of the classmates of AOC who was running for office to, to really shake things up. She ran three more times and ended up being successful, and, and that's amazing. Uh, Charles Bowman up in New York is another one of those so, you know, rather than pointing to a particular state, I want to show this this class of exactly what we're saying. Regular folks, folks with 9 to 5, yes. folks who work for unions, teachers, um, you know, community agitators, advocates, rather, that are running for office and winning. Because that, to me, says that, yes, only 27% of Broward showed up to vote. And that's really scary. But the 27% that's showing up are are asking for change, mm, and I think yes. that you know, right? We saw that in that pick with Harold. We saw that for Sarah Leonardi, and
0: the young we're, people we're seeing, that yeah. these are young people getting elected, and that's the thing that is really making me excited too. Like it's time, you know. I think feel like some of these electeds need to know, you know, when to hang up their hat, yeah, and and right. give space and room for other people and other ideas, and and you know, make room for it. And that was one thing that really. Got me excited that there's more young energy coming into these um, campaigns and into these elections, and that they're getting elected. And that's the voice; those are the progressive voices that we need.
2: Right, absolutely. You know, I and I know we're leaving Florida, but it is really exciting here in Florida. Ruthless statewide got 24 women elected last night. 24 women were elected to office last night. Thank you. That's amazing. That's incredible. Eight right here in Broward and. You know, I know, Hillary and Tina, I, know, I, I say this to you both at ad nauseum, and you're like, Emma, we know, we've seen the slides, <laughs> the PowerPoint, there, the PowerPoint. You know, only in, in Florida, only 39% of the seats, or excuse me, only 13% of the seats in the Florida legislature, Senate and House, are made up of women. Mm. Of that, only two of the Senate cabinets, excuse me, of the Senate committees, have women leadership, and there's three committees, one of them including taxation, that doesn't have a woman on it at all. So the fact that two dozen women in Florida will be taking the oath and coming into office, this is really crazy because it actually means that women are going to take that step further to getting just equal representation. That's wild, right, that 51% of the the population is not reflected back in our government. And Mm -hmm. We're getting closer to that in Florida. We're we're not anywhere near. But last night is indicative that people are beginning to see having a full table, having real representation means having women, especially black women, especially black queer women. Mm-hmm. You know, Michelle Rayner got elected last night. You know, having having incredible advocates like that in Tallahassee and that's we're doing something something's happening something's happening and i feel it and it's
1: exciting well it's exciting because i mean for two things number one we're it's this old guard and i know that we love uh you know and this happens in every community there's people who have been here for a long time they handpick candidates or whoever Uh. and that's who they put into a race and sometimes just based on name recognition alone that person will win And so sometimes people jump in a race and you're like, oh, well, everybody knows this person. And so you're just resigned to the fact that that might be the person who wins. That is not what happened. That is not what happened. It didn't. It completely changed. And exactly the young, uh, and it's fresh. And I think that that's when a lot of people have to start looking around and saying, you got to stop for a minute and give all these other new folks a chance. But Emma, the, the (laughs) reason why those numbers are changing are because of people like you, who are stepping up into roles that you didn't, you weren't in four years ago and you are putting (laughs) so much of your time and energy into making sure the landscape of the political world changes in Florida that will benefit not just women, but everyone. And so thank you so much for all of the work that you do. You have no idea how much it impacts our lives. Um, Even the people who have never met you and don't know your name, they have no idea how much you are impacting their life every day.
2: You guys, (laughs) thank you, thank you, 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 the work that you both do makes the work I do a pleasure, and it's been such an opportunity to collaborate and work with the two of you in a couple different capacities over the past several years. And we're this. We said at the beginning, right? This this takes a village. We are each other's village, right? We're we're going to change the way. It's not. We're trying. We're going to. We are changing the way that Broward looks, changing the way that Florida looks, changing the way this country looks because of villages like ours. So it's a pleasure, it's an honor, and it's exhausting, but it's (laughs) wonderful. It's wonderful when it works, and in some ways it worked last night.
1: It's amazing. Well, I really appreciate you. We really appreciate you coming on and doing the show. Thank you so much. Yes.
2: Thank you, ladies. I'm I'm a I'm a uh, buck file. I really, really love it. I listen to all of them <laughs> and I cannot I cannot uh more strongly say that this is a this is a podcast that gets me through my worst and most stressful days and gives me a laugh. So we really what you ladies are doing. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank oh, you, thank you. Thank
0: you. Hang in there, have a good night.
2: Thanks, ladies. You too. Bye.
0: Bye. If you want to learn more about this week's guest, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for
1: each level. Muckraker, policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Docherty.